It's good. It's good to be here. Do you know I, what I love about gathering is when I see people. Like I just look over there and see Rick, and it warms my heart. Um, and, it, and and when I look at different people, like there's something about it where when you when you have people around, they just they don't have to do anything, do they? They just turn up, and all of a sudden you feel ah, life's better. <laughs> wow. At least there's one person, Rick. <laughs> but this is a part of being family here. I, I see you guys, and it does me good. It does me good to be here. Um, we've been going through a series on, on the Holy Spirit, and, and just before I start, Mark's, Mark has started it last week by looking at um, the person, the, the Holy Spirit is a person. Um, it's not a force, it's not a thing, it's a person. And the thing, the thing with the Holy Spirit is, is he's always the, the person of the Holy Spirit who doesn't want to be the big showman. And sometimes we try to make him to be the big show where he's not really, that's not what he really wants. He wants to display Christ. And so whenever I, I think about the Holy Spirit and we have to speak on it, I almost feel like I need to be really careful and almost tentative about the way I present it because the Holy Spirit isn't wanting to be the big look-at-me type person because that's not his purpose or his role. And so I feel like when we speak about the Holy Spirit, there's a gentleness that we need to have. There's this almost lightly treading as we start to open up who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. We, we need to be, have a gentleness about it because that's who the Holy Spirit is. He's the comforter, the one who comes alongside and strengthens us. I love that word comfort. I don't know about you, but I love the word comfort. You know, to, to come and fortify to come alongside and strengthen. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside, empowers you that you may go. I love this word when it says the comforter will come. Jesus is knowing that he's sending someone who's going to just give you that power, that strength to be able to do things that in the ordinary would seem impossible. Um, As you're probably aware, Mark isn't with us today and... Um, and I just wanted to start actually by um, praying for him and his family. Uh, his, his dad passed away last Sunday, and um, he's, he's visiting family this weekend. And so I, I wanted to start off by actually praying for him before I actually go in and, and um, start the sermon. So, yeah, Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you unite us even though distance may seem to separate us. And so we just want to stand right now and, and pray for the whole Thornet family. We pray that in this time of grieving, you would be an, an ever-present comfort to them, that they may know that you are alongside and strengthening them as they reflect and look on the the good things that uh, that they can remember of their the Father's life, but also as they look with hope that he is in a better place now. 
So we just pray in our thoughts and our prayers with Mark and Jackie and the family this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to look at uh, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to start to look at the purpose. What is the Holy Spirit's purpose? Um, and to, to begin that, uh, and, and I could take nearly... The, the, the amazing thing about when you look at the Holy Spirit, I could probably take nearly any scripture verse that speaks of the Holy Spirit and apply these three principles that I'm going to speak about today. Because no matter what you read about the Holy Spirit, these three things seem to always, for me, always seem to come to the forefront. But the, 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 the scripture I'm actually going to read from today is Acts 3. Um, and it's about the, the lame beggar healed. Um, the story's a lot longer than what I've got time to read. Uh, you know me, I'd love to read big chunks of scripture but sometimes uh, it's better if you actually go back and have time to reflect on it, read it yourself. Now, I'm starting from verse 3, but actually the, this whole story, we could start back at, uh, I'm starting at chapter 3, but it could start at 2 and you go right through to chapter 5. This is an amazing chunk of a story about Peter and the early uh, church. But we're just going to read a little bit now this morning. This is Acts 3 from verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask for alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people who saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gates of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to, to them in the portico, called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see now. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. 
you probably wouldn't think that this is a Holy Spirit scripture when you first read it. You're probably thinking this is, this is uh, uh, an evangelistic, this is a, a miracle, this is healing. But I want to show you that actually the purpose of the Holy Spirit is exactly what we read in this story. You see, the Holy Spirit isn't the one that's coming along to say it's all about what I am doing and empowering you to do. Some people would even want us to change the Acts of the Apostle and call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit, but that is not the purpose or the role of the Holy Spirit. It is not to draw attention to himself. And so when we read this scripture, we are actually reading a very powerful demonstration of the purpose of the Holy Spirit. This story goes on and... Uh, Peter and John actually get pulled in front of the Sanhedrin, the council, the, the religious leaders of the time. And they give this amazing reason for why they are, uh, have done what they've done. And later on in verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 13, the council are astonished and they say they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, and they were astonished. See, this is the first purpose of the Holy Spirit. The first purpose of the Holy Spirit is to teach. He teaches us things that we have no ability to be able to comprehend on a normal level. See, Peter was just a fisherman. He was a fisherman, an uneducated man. He didn't have the education in philosophy or in reasoning or how to public speak. He didn't have this education in this, and yet they see that he's an uneducated man and they're astonished that he can speak with both authority and power. This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. He, he enables us to teach. And it can be confusing when you're reading. Let's, let's read 1 John 2, verse 27. And this is part of the Holy Spirit. And he says this is what the Holy Spirit is for us. It says, The anointing that you have received, that is the Holy Spirit that you have received, from him, that is Jesus, abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true and is no lie, just as is it taught, just as it has taught you, abide in him. You see, the Holy Spirit is to teach us all things. That is who teaches us all things. Now, this is not to say that you shouldn't learn, or you shouldn't read, or you shouldn't gather knowledge. See, the, the difference between Knowledge and um, what teaching does is it takes something that is knowledge and it brings it to a place of understanding. You see, when it says that the Holy Spirit teaches us, it doesn't say he gives us knowledge. It doesn't say say it's giving us so that we don't have to do anything anymore. It doesn't say that we don't have to listen to people. It doesn't say that we don't read the Word. You see, the disciples spent three and a half or three odd or so years with Jesus, listening to him daily teach. See, when we read scriptures like this, it's not that we have everything now. We've, we just get a, a, 
It's not like we're plugged into the internet and we just get this download and whatever we want is there. It's not that we have the fullness of knowledge. No, the, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to take what we do know and help us understand it. We see this uh, in, in Paul, when Paul writes uh, in 1 Corinthians 2. He actually clearly says this to us. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So he's given us that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And when we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. So we are still told that we are to teach and to, to speak out. But the understanding is the work of the Holy Spirit alone. Understanding is the Holy Spirit's purpose. I used, to, um, I used to journal a lot more than I... I don't really journal now. And, um, and I probably should because I, I sometimes would look back over when I used to journal. I used to pray. And as I pray, I would write down things that I would just would be on my heart, but also things I, think, I thought that God was giving me. And, um, and as I was, I'd do this, uh, try to do it every day, just write a little bit down. And, um, and I remember going through one of my old journals... I remember reading back through it and thinking, who wrote this stuff? Like, it seemed like I was reading something that was not even in my hand, like it was in my handwriting, but as if it was something more than what I could even comprehend or write down. It was like an understanding had come that I couldn't really grasp or, 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 or say it was even mine. And, I could, and when I'm reading it, I almost feel like I'm in third person going like, Someone, I know I wrote this, but it feels like someone else was writing it for me. And this is the Holy Spirit. He takes us in the level we know, and he then he almost transcends us to a level of understanding that is beyond what we can naturally achieve. And this is one of the main purposes of the Holy Spirit, is that it would be him that would take the knowledge we have and then elevated into understanding of who God is. Jesus actually says in John 14, um, he says that the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You see, this is where Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit is not just going to be there to be a comfort for you, not just there so that you feel good. He's there so that you may know what it is to be in the family of God. It's taking your knowledge, that which you have heard, and it elevates it to an understanding that you can now comprehend who you are in Christ. And Jesus says this. In fact, the way it is, I love reading the Gospel of John. I don't know about you, but I love reading the Gospel of John. The reason I love the Gospel of John is this, Jesus is so excited about the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you ever get that in reading the Gospel of John, but it is such a Holy Spirit Gospel. 
And Jesus here, he keeps on talking about the helper and the comforter. And it's almost like this excitement within me saying, like, it is better that I go because there's one who's coming who's going to give you understanding. I'm speaking to you. We know in the gospel that Jesus taught the disciples, but they seem to lack the understanding. They just didn't get it, did they? Like Jesus is saying these things to them. He's saying, I'm going to die. And, and Peter, the, you know, the, the, the brash man that he is, just goes, no, Jesus, I won't let it happen. Jesus says, Peter, you, you do not have understanding. See, Jesus was almost excited that we would finally get the Holy Spirit, that we would finally be allowed to have an understanding that transcends just knowledge. And as I read through the Gospel of John, which I encourage you, read through the Gospel of John, it is brilliant. Jesus is saying that I'm speaking to you and you're not comprehending of it. It's okay, because there's one who's coming. The help is coming. The comfort is coming. And he's going to take this knowledge and he's going to get it so that you know it, that it becomes understanding. One of the primary purposes of, one of the, primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is he teaches us. He takes knowledge and makes it understanding. The second purpose of the Holy Spirit is to transform. First one is teach. The second one is transform. I've got these in no order, by the way. I'm just going to... These are, these are some of the things that I see coming out each time. Transform. The Holy Spirit, we know this. We often focus more on the transforming work of the Holy Spirit than anything else. Because it is so evident. We see this in the Scripture. In fact, we see this here in, in the first few chapters of Acts. We see people who are terrified, huddled together in an upper room, Locking the doors at times because they don't want to be found out. They're terrified of dying. And yet a few chapters later, they're standing in the very courts, very council who, who put Jesus to death. In fact, in the very temple where people who were there were crying out, crucify him. And now they've transformed into these people who are huddling in a small little room to boldly proclaiming Jesus Christ transforming work of the Holy Spirit. If there's anything that is so um, evident to us in the Acts of the Apostle, it is this transforming work of the Holy Spirit. And we need it. The reason we need the, the transforming work of the Holy Spirit is the transforming of the work of the Holy Spirit is not so that we can get nice feelings and not so that we can feel comfortable. It's not so that we can have a better life. It's so that we might be witnesses in this world. The power of the Holy Spirit to transform our lives is that we might be witnesses. I find it fascinating that the disciples who were taught by Jesus, who were with him for three years. Now, this is, this is amazing, isn't it? They're with the Son of God for three years in his teaching, 
daily being able to interact with him, ask him any questions. There is no no-go limits for them. And yet when Jesus leaves and ascends into heaven, the last thing he tells them is, now that, he doesn't say, now that I've taught you, now that you've got all the knowledge, you're good to go. Go be witnesses. No, the thing he tells them is this. He says, go wait. Wait for the promised spirit. And what I, what I love about this, and when you think about this, is that it allows us to have a freedom to know that actually it is the Holy Spirit that does the witnessing through us. Because even if the disciples who were with Jesus for three years in his teaching, hearing him daily, having full access to God himself on earth, if they, even they, had to wait for the Holy Spirit, if even they had to, then how amazing is it for us that when we are baptized in the Spirit, we are also being transformed into witnesses just like the disciples. They were not special men. They, even though they had access to God himself on earth, they still needed the Holy Spirit. And this gives us hope. I mean, for me, it gives me such joy to know that actually I don't need to be in Jesus' um, shadow for three years All he's saying to me is receive the Holy Spirit and you will be a witness to the ends of the earth. Like, isn't that a freedom to us? We don't need to go to a special school. We don't need to have direct access to the physical Jesus Christ on earth to have the same witness that the disciples have. I don't know about you, but that excites me. That excites me that that the disciples, even they display that it's the Holy Spirit that causes them to be a witness for him. And we have that same Holy Spirit on access today. God on offer for us. I don't know about you, but that just gets me so deep down that I'm just like, Holy Spirit, may that, may that be the truth in my life. May you be the transforming power that enables me to be a witness for you. The transforming power of the Holy Spirit is that we might be witnesses. That transforming power is also to authenticate. See, the the Holy Spirit transforms us so that we can authenticate the truth that we are speaking, that it authenticates our witness. You see, if we did not be transformed, if we were just the same, if we had no difference between when we were saved and filled with the Spirit and afterwards, then there would be no authentication that the Holy Spirit has actually transformed us into the image of God. The transforming power of the Spirit, it enables us, it empowers us to be a witness, but at the same time, it authenticates that the Holy Spirit is in us. There are some people that you see the physical representation of this transformation. There's some of you here may, may know there was a, a lady who used to come here called Mimi. And when I first met Mimi, she, she had a very heavy face. She seemed like there was a weight on her. But I saw her 
in the first lockdown, I saw her, and it was as if there was a transformation of her very face that she seemed to have, without even, I don't know how it is, but it was almost as if she had transformed into a, a lady who was even more beautiful than she was before. There was almost like a glow, uh, and almost as if the glory of God was coming out of her in a way that I had not even recognized or seen the transformation. But actually, here was a lady who seemed to have a weight on her, transformed to almost showing, almost displaying something of the glory of God coming out of her. And I don't know if you've seen that in Mimi, but you see her now, and there's almost like her face is a light. So the transforming work of God is not just an inner work, it's an outside work. You know, I sometimes struggle with the, the display of the joy of God. I know I shouldn't. But sometimes I do because I, I can get so inward focused. But when my eyes stop focusing on my limitations and my weaknesses and I put my eyes up and lift them up, it's almost as if in those moments there's a transformation that takes place and I can see God as he is and all of a sudden I'm just like, what an amazing God you are. And I look around this world and I do not see this world as a tragedy. I see it as a world full of joy and wonder. We live in a world that gives us a glimpse of what's to come. We were speaking this week on Wednesday when John um, Cleveland was <coughs> speaking to us about heaven and the hope we have. And he just did this phrase of saying the reason why we have joy now, the reason why we enjoy gathering, the reason why we love this world now is because it gives a glimpse of something to come. And so when we fix our eyes upon that, so there's a transformation of how we see the world. And I long, I long for a more of a transformation from the Holy Spirit, that I am a, a person who is oozing joy. The transformation of the Holy Spirit is not just spiritual. It is also, there should be a whole transformation. Body, soul, and spirit transformed in some way to display more of the glory of God. And it's not just an individual. The Holy Spirit transforms culture and church. And when the church is down, and when the church is unable to operate in freedom, either by law or oppression or by culture, when the world is strong, that's when the Holy Spirit's transformation is essential. It is essential that we are transformed, not just as an individual, but as a people group, as a family together. We see this. We see Peter being able to teach because of the Holy Spirit. We see Peter transformed from someone hiding to someone who's boldly proclaiming. And in fact, later on in... Uh, in chapter 4, it speaks about how Peter was joyful that he could suffer for the sake of Jesus. Not only is he hiding, not only is he saying, I'm, I'm, I'm hiding away beforehand, he's now 
now gone to the other extreme of saying, bring on the suffering if it means that Jesus is more glorified. That's a transformation. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to teach, to transform. But the main work of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of the Holy Spirit of all these things is that we might be transfixed. Jesus is central. Jesus is the central theme of all the Holy Spirit does. Everything the Holy Spirit does is that we might transfix our gaze upon Jesus, that we might be transfixed upon him and know him more. The Holy Spirit is saying that Jesus is not just central. He's not just the main thing. He is essential. He is all that we need. John 16, 14. It's what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. He says, He will glorify me. The Holy Spirit will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The focus of the Holy Spirit is that we would be transfixed upon Jesus and see his glory. The Holy Spirit, whenever he is at work, it is not about the gifts, it's not about the power, it's not about the miracles or the healing. It's that we might know and be known by Jesus, it might see Jesus as he is. Jesus is the focus of the Holy Spirit. We read in John 1, 27, where it says that the Holy Spirit will teach you, but it also says that abide, that, that, that by that anointing you will abide in Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't just want to give you knowledge and understanding, not just the understanding, not just the transformation, but he wants to enable you to be transfixed that you may abide in him always. See, this is the role of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is that we may have the strength to be able to stand and abide in Jesus, to be so close to him that there is no difference between the life that we live and the life that Christ would have us live. That we are so much in Christ. And we see this in in, in Acts 3 when Peter speaking. The very first thing he does is he doesn't say, why are you looking at me as if I've done anything? He says, it's not because of my ability. It's not because of who I am. It's because of who Jesus is. And then he goes on to give a long discourse about Jesus Christ and him glorified. It goes on to then go straight into an evangelistic uh, preach where he's saying that actually not only were you the ones who crucified him, but now there is an opportunity for you to also know him so that the Holy Spirit may transform you so you can be transfixed on him. And Peter declares, repent and be saved. You see, with this 
Holy Spirit's purpose here of transfixing is what will happen is people's lives will come before Jesus and say, I don't want you just to be Savior, but I want you to be Lord. Because we are so focused on Jesus because of the Holy Spirit's transformation that we're saying, save me not only in this world, but be Lord of all my life so that I live for you only. The Holy Spirit will always focus a light upon Jesus. And whenever we are asking for the Holy Spirit, what we are truly asking is that Jesus Christ would be revealed more. And then what we're truly wanting to do with that is that we would be transformed to be witnesses, powerful witnesses to the truth that Jesus is God. There is a story of um, a great theologian called Karl Barth. Um, and some say that he's probably one of the greatest theologians since the Reformation. And he's written hundreds of books. He's influenced churches all over the world. In fact, across denomination, Karl Barth has influenced the world um, in, in, in his books and his writings. And he's a I would recommend you um, look him up. He's, he's an amazing theologian. And when he was 76 years old, he was doing almost like a, a final um, speaking engagement through the United States. And he was at one in, at Chicago University, and he'd just given a talk, and they had a question and answers afterwards. And he's 76 years old, and he's been doing this for 50 years. And one of the students asked, they said, said to him, Carl, can you sum up all of your theological work into a few sentences? Now, this guy's written hundreds of books. He's written about nearly every single theological topic you could think of. And this guy's asked him, can you sum it up in one sentence? And Cal Barth, he goes, yes, I can. It's in the form of a song I learnt on the knees of my mother. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The whole work of the Holy Spirit is this truth that he takes knowledge which is in Scripture and through other people and he elevates it to the understanding that Jesus loves you and me. And he uses this knowledge, this understanding that it may transform our lives, transform our lives to be powerful witnesses that are authentic witnesses for him. And then it says... Now fix your gaze, transfix your gaze upon him who loves you so. This is a purpose of the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean for us? It means this. Pray for the Holy Spirit. Pray and seek the Holy Spirit because he will reveal the truth of Christ. 
And then he will empower you to be witnesses for him. And then he will enable you to see Jesus as he is. This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. To teach, to transform, to transfix. I'm just going to pray and then I'd love for us to finish in a song. That's all right, Steve. So let me just pray for you guys. And then let's just turn this because if we do not turn this to praise and worship, then it is pointless. When we meet together, we should always be meeting to focus on Jesus. That is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you had an excitement and a joy that the Holy Spirit would come. We thank you that you have now baptized. You have said you would baptize us in your spirit. And we pray for those who have been baptized, may they be transformed from glory to glory, that they may show with power and authentication that you are the Son of God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that our eyes would be transfixed upon the Savior and Lord Jesus Christ more and more in our lives. Lord Jesus, even now I ask that you would baptize in your Holy Spirit. O sovereign Lord, sovereign Holy Spirit, thank you that you give. Thank you that you came. Thank you that you are here. And I ask now that you would empower, strengthen, and equip all of us to be your, the witness for Jesus Christ that we are designed to be. Transform us so that we may be transfixed upon Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're just going to finish with a song. Um, we've gone a little, we'll go a little bit over, but it'll be okay, guys. And we just want to praise, because I want to turn this, if we do not turn things back to praise, and if you guys do not feel like praising Jesus right now, then I'm going to have to say that that was not Holy Spirit-led preach. Because anything that is Holy Spirit-led should turn us back to wanting to focus fully on Jesus again. So I would encourage you, just the last little bit of energy, let's just stand if we can and focus once more upon the Saviour, Jesus Christ.